Hey everybody, before we jump into what we're going to talk about today as we continue in our Deconstructing Church series, I want to tell you about something exciting and set it up. Uh, Remember, over the past few weeks as we've been in this series, we've been talking about how church, uh, what church is, what church is not, how the church is not about a building, it's not about a place or a space, it's not just something you go to, that we just don't want to attend church. We actually want to be the church because church is so much bigger than just me. It's about a we, it's about people, uh, you know, faces, not necessarily spaces, all that kind of things. Well, we have an opportunity for you and for all of us together to actually put this into practice really soon and to go be the church. And I want to tell you about this right now. Something that we're calling the big serve. The big serve. The big serve will happen on Thursday, September 30th and Sunday, October 3rd, instead of you coming to church here or in Oak Ridge or joining us online. Yeah, that's right. Instead of gathering physically in our buildings, We're going to be gathering all over the triad by serving in our community during the same times that you would ordinarily attend in person. And so this is how this is going to work. And and again, just kind of let this sink in, and we'll explain more next week as we get closer. But everybody that is here in Kernersville and Oak Ridge is going to get one of these cards on the way out. This explains it. On the back, there is a QR code. You take a picture of that QR code with your phone, and it'll take you right to the Big Serve page with a list of serve projects all over the triad, maybe some right near your neighborhood, and you can sign up individually. You can sign up with your family. There are family-friendly serve opportunities there, and you can even sign up with your small group and do it all together. And so we're going to go be the church. That's right. It's completely different. We've never done this before. I got a feeling this is going to go well, and we may do this again, where we just say, instead of coming to sit in a church building, we're going to go be the church. We're going to show up in our communities and just love people and meet needs and serve and actually go do what it is we talk about all the time. It's kind of like church has left the building kind of thing. And that, isn't that what the whole point is anyway? And for those of you that are watching online, joining us online as you maybe typically do on a regular basis now, uh, if you live locally in the area, you need to know you're also included. You can do the same thing. You can sign up for a serve project. And what you'll need to do is go to our website, our app, and click on the Big Serve. It'll take you to the same place, all those projects. And even though you may not be at the point where you're comfortable attending in person just yet, or maybe you're unable to, but you're like, man, I can join you guys out in the community and we can serve and be the church together. Absolutely, because you're just as much as part of what God is doing um, from where you are and in this room or in any of our locations. So we want to let you know that. And if you're joining us online and you live outside the triad and you're not in the local area, many of you are in other states and other uh, areas, uh, we're going to have ideas for you on the 30th and the 3rd that you can uh, apply right in your own neighborhood, right where you live, and how you can serve and be the church where you are. So, the big serve. We're going to go be the church and leave the building two weeks from today, and we'll remind you next week. So go and sign up for a serve project. Now, I want you to consider something that maybe you've never considered before. Consider this. 
You are not the same person that you were 10 years ago. Did you know that? And I don't mean just figuratively, y'all. I mean literally. You are not the same person physically. You are not the same person. Some of you are like, girl, I'll tell you. I know I'm looking in the mirror. You know, now I'm not talking about just that. I mean you are not the same. And here's what I'm talking about. This this thing. And I'm going to do my best to describe this. Those of you in the medical uh, profession, bear with me. This thing called cell replication that happens in our bodies. Cell replication. We learned about it in physical science, 7th, 8th grade, ninth grade kind of thing, and maybe in biology. We learned about the cell replication, where, and it involves uh, the cells dividing and duplicating the DNA and then a nucleus, and then your cells multiply that, and then the old cells die off and all that kind of stuff, and there's official documentation and language for all of that, but that's the gist of it. Here's what it means, okay? Every 27 days, you and I have a whole new layer of skin, Cool. Every 27 days. I mean, enough of your skin cells. Go home, pull back the covers, look in the bed, because that's where your skin cells are. You lay in them every night. You're welcome. Right? And, and so, yeah, we, every 27 days, a whole new layer of skin cells. Isn't that crazy? Cell replication. Every 300 days, your liver goes through the entire process of cell replication. And according to a study and research done at Stanford University, I just don't have these, this knowledge. You think I just know this stuff? <laughs> Stanford, really smart people there. Every seven to ten years, almost your entire body goes through the process of cell replication. So you could say, every seven to ten years, none of us are truly who we used to be. Isn't that fascinating? I find that very interesting. But here's what this helps us understand. That change is baked into the fabric of who we are as human beings. By God's design, change is just a part of it. And we have a really technical term for what happens when your body stops the process of cell replication. You know what that word is? Death. You die. When your body stops replicating itself, I mean, you're, just, you're done. You're a goner. Literally. And so change is a part of what it means to be alive and to continue to live. Now, here's why I bring this up in a series where we're talking about deconstructing church and what church is not and what church is and all that kind of stuff. What's interesting is that the church, historically, the big C church, and even Christians specifically, have been change-resistant throughout the years, resist change, and have embraced sameness more than change. We are change-averse. I don't want to change, right? Too risky. I don't want to change. Maybe there's all kinds of reasons. Perhaps it is the unknown. Maybe it's fear. Maybe it's fear. Maybe it's being afraid of what others might think. Uh, it, It could be that just staying the same is often easier. For people, right? I'm just going to stay the same. I'm not going to make a change. I'm not going to rock the boat. I'm just going to stay doing and thinking and living the way. Maybe it, we just don't want to admit we're wrong. I, I, I don't know. But change is something that we have just kind of, mm, I don't know about that. I don't know how I feel about change in the context of a church. I mean, that's why churches 
That's why churches, you go to, you get involved in a lot of churches. It's like, oh, we don't like to change things. We don't change that. We don't, this is the way it's always been. This is the way we've always done it. And blah, 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 blah. We're kind of embrace sameness. Now, I grew up in traditional churches, and there's nothing wrong with that at all. But I, I got this up close and personal growing up in church and for many years uh, in, in my early pastoring years. And I hear two voices immediately when I, when I talk about change in the context of the church. I hear one voice that says, from my past, but God doesn't change. And it's always someone that's a little angry when they say that, right? I don't know why. But God doesn't change. And you know what? You're exactly right. God does not change. But let me let you in on a little something. You're not God, and I'm not God. We're human beings, and we have to change. Unless you have a perfect knowledge of who God is, unless you understand everything there is to know about God already, right now, unless you know everything and understand everything there is to know about God, then you're going to constantly be learning more about who God is and understanding more about who God is. And as a result, you're going to have to make some changes in what you think about God. Make sense? I hear another voice. I hear another voice that says, but the Bible don't change. The Bible don't change. The Bible is the same. So we don't need to be changing. But you know what? You're right. What is in the Bible is not changing. But if you don't have 100% accurate view of the Bible, if you don't know everything there is to know about what the Bible says and what the Bible means by what the Bible says, if you, if you don't have perfect knowledge of that, then you're constantly, if you're like the rest of us human beings, you're constantly going to be learning more, understanding more. And as you learn more and understand more, you make adjustments and you change in your understanding. Does that make sense? And this is so important. This is so important. I know it makes some of you feel uneasy, and we'll come back to that in a minute. But a lot of people come to the church thinking that the church has it all figured out. No, church is not where we have it all figured out. I, I hope that that doesn't disappoint you too much today. You're like, well, I'm going to go there. I'm going to get some answers. Well, I'm going to tune in online. We're going to get this thing figured out. Because I just assume that them, them Jesus people, them church people, they got it going on. They they. Thank you for the nice sentiment. I appreciate that. But we do not have it all figured out. We do not have all the answers. I don't, and you don't, and we don't. We're constantly learning. We're constantly changing, constantly being stretched, constantly reconsidering old ways and considering new ways, as you will soon see. In fact, here's what church is supposed to be about. It's supposed to help us become who God created us to be. Become. That word become implies change, growth, development. That church is supposed to be an environment that helps us become and make the necessary changes to become who God created us to be. And more specifically, more like Jesus. Because that's who God created us to be, is more like Jesus. And that's true for me, and that's true for you, that's true for all of us. In fact, I love how Paul puts it when he writes to the Corinthians in the first century. This is the way he describes it. He says, anyone who belongs to Christ, who's connected to Jesus, who's trusting and following Jesus, who calls themselves a Jesus follower or a Christian, has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. Literally, a whole new way of living opens I don't understand how you can have something new without change. You can't. 
by definition, by nature, when something old becomes new, it undergoes change. And we are told that when we get connected to Christ and we get close to Jesus, the closer we get, the more this reality becomes true. The old goes away. The old ways of living, the old ways of thinking, the old ways of believing, the old whatever. You fill in the blank and the new comes. Change is just a part of it and we are all becoming. We're all becoming. Last week we saw that church is to be a place where we all belong. Today we're talking about how the church is meant to be a place where we all are becoming. It's a place to become who God created you to be, specifically more like Jesus. Now I used to think that what helped us come, become and change and grow and develop were just outside influences. And that's a part of it, right? Just things that happen to us. That's certainly a part of it. And we all have had that experience. We've all said things like, man, when this happened to me, I was never the same. I'll never be the same. And we usually describe, unfortunately, some kind of painful event or tragic experience. I'll never be the same. So that's definitely a part of it. But you know what I've learned? And I'm learning, and I see this more and more, not just in myself, but in other people. You know what really causes people to change? What really brings people to a place where they grow and develop is something on the inside, not something on the outside, and specifically what people choose to believe. What people believe. Because it is our beliefs that shape who and what we become. And so it here at the church, we want you, in this local church at the summit, we want to create an environment where you become and change and develop and grow into who God created you to be, specifically more like Jesus. And the key to that is what you choose to believe. And that's a process. The process of becoming and believing is process. You grow and you learn and you're understanding and you change and you grow and you learn more and, and then you make adjustments and you change. None of us stay the same, and hopefully that's a process where we're getting better. Hopefully growing into a place that we're more like Christ. It is a beautiful process. Exhausting at times, yes. But here's this. There's no shame. No shame at all. Hear me well. There is no shame in admitting that you've needed to change how you think and what you believe and how you live. No shame at all. I know there are people out there who's like, I ain't never changed. I've always been the same. That, well, that, that seems to be something to brag about, but as we will see, that's not something to brag about. There's no shame at all in admitting that you've changed what you think or what you believe about a certain thing. To, to say, you know what, I didn't understand this before, but now I understand this now, and since I understand this now, I think differently, I believe differently about this, and you fill in the blank, right? Or you know what, I didn't have all the information. I didn't have all the information before, but now I have more information, and now I think differently, and I believe differently about this because I have more information than I had before. And you know, there's absolutely nothing wrong with admitting as a human being, you know what, I think I was wrong. Wrong. We understand this in the medical world. We embrace it, right? Aren't we glad that someone got over the shame of realizing that the way to get sickness out of your body is not by putting blood-sucking leeches all over you? That was the way. That was the accepted way. Bring in the leeches. And the, you know, just, it's gross. It's nasty. 
If you've ever had one of them suckers on your leg in the creek, like I have growing up, and you kid out in the country in the woods, you just know right? that this was the way. This was the way. Aren't we glad? Aren't we glad that they learned and grew and figured out? Hey, just swallow this little pill thing, uh, and and that'll that'll help clean you out. You guys, like great, fantastic. So we understand. We understand this, but for some reason, when it comes to spiritual things, we we like to pride ourselves in the fact that I just don't change. You see, it takes humility. It takes humility to admit that maybe you misunderstood before. When we are rigid and when we are closed to considering something new and different, that often comes from a place of pride. So, for the next few minutes, here's what I want to do. I want to help you consider how God wants you to become who he created you to be more like Jesus in some of your core beliefs, being willing to say, hey, you know what? As I learn more and grow more, as I learn more and I grow more, I become a different person according to what I believe in in three different areas. In the area of God, what we believe about God, and we'll spend most of our time talking about that, that's the biggest, right? And then, and then it even applies to what you believe about yourself and what you believe about other people. And the goal of this is for us, for us to become more and more and more who God created us to be, specifically more like Jesus, and to make changes that are necessary in order to help us become more like him. So let's start with God. Because what you believe about God affects what you believe about everything else. And, you know, people have some really interesting views of God and really jacked up ideas about God. I mean, the people here, I mean, they say all kinds of stuff, and it's just like, wow. Here's this. You might want to take a picture of this because at first it's going to be like, what? I don't know, but just, just think about it. We must never change that we believe. When it comes to God, we should never change that we believe. But we must remain open to what we believe. Go back to the medical thing again, right? We, even back then, they believed there was something in your bloodstream that needed to come out so you could get better. That's still the same belief. But what they believe about the best way to make that happen has gone from leeches to, to medication. And aren't we glad, right? So what they believe about it has changed as they've learned and grown more. So here's the deal. Let me just be personal. I believe in God. I don't see that changing Hopefully, for you, right? You're like, oh, I hope not. Okay, no, no, no. I believe in God. I, I, I'm, I'm firmly, firmly. I don't see that changing. But you know what? Through the years, what I believe about God, as I've learned and, and grown and understood more about God, has changed. I, real, I look back on some of the stuff I used to believe about God and go, I can't believe I thought that. I can't believe I used to think that way. I can't believe I assumed God was like that. I believe that Jesus is God in flesh and bone. I believe that. But what I believe about Jesus has grown and grown and grown and grown. I believe the Bible. I do. But what I believe about the Bible, and not just what the Bible says, but what the Bible means by what it says as I learn more and more, that's changed as I've grown. Yeah. And the same is true for all of us, if we just be honest. Now, immediately when you start talking about changing what you're, you know, making adjustments and changes and what you think about God, you know, people get really nervous. Oh, you're changing your belief. That's heresy. That's heresy. No, it's not heresy. Just depends on what your conclusion is. That determines whether or not it's heresy. If it's, you know, here's the deal. Again, unless you have perfect knowledge of who God is, and does anybody here have perfect knowledge? I hope you're not so bold and brash as to say, I got it figured out. I got God in the box. Happens to be my box. 
and he fits, right? You need to get a bigger box, first of all. But secondly, I, I don't, there's none of us, none of us have perfect knowledge of God. And so if we don't have perfect knowledge of God, all of us are in process. It's, it's never a, a bad thing to be willing to embrace a better understanding of who God is and what God is about. Even though I know it makes people a little nervous, let me be very specific, and this should help you settle down a little bit if you find yourself getting a little uneasy. Because the whole point of this is that our view of God, as we change what we believe, as we learn more and more and more, is that it to be more like Jesus. Your view of God must become more and more and more like Jesus. You know why? Because that's who Jesus is. Jesus is God. When God wanted to show the world who he was, he sent Jesus. Jesus is what God has to say about himself to the world. That is crystal clear. The scriptures tell us that Jesus is the visible expression of the invisible God. He is God in flesh and bone. And so you and I should always be open to changing our view of God to be more and more and more like Jesus, to develop a more Jesus-centric belief of who God is. And then, as we'll see in a minute, a more Jesus-centric belief of who you are and a more Jesus-centric belief of who other people are. It all comes back to Jesus. I, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just telling you, it's all, it's all throughout the history of the church. Just go back to the first century real quick. Go back to the first century and, and just think of how the church got started. We've talked about some of this in this series. But in the early church, most of the people that were a part of those early church days were Jewish people. The amount of change in what they believed about God was massive. They had to consider changing a lot of what they thought about God, specifically that Jesus actually is God. Because, see, they didn't believe Jesus was the Messiah. They didn't believe Jesus was the Son of God. That's why they killed him. That's why they crucified him. And so just right there, to admit that Jesus is the Son of God and we crucified him, he was dying for our sins and we killed him. Now, there's nothing like a resurrection to make a believer out of you, though. <laughs> but, you know, that guy we crucified, I just saw him walking down the street about four days ago. I got some questions, right, because I just saw him die. Right, I mean, resurrection will do that to you. But they, you're talking about change. They had to change how they viewed the Mosaic law, the Old Testament law, that now Jesus fulfilled all of that, so now we no longer live under law, but we live by grace and through grace. They had to learn all of that major change. Even the fact that non-Jewish people were welcome to become part of it. The Gentiles were a part of it. That's you and me. Man, aren't we so glad? That was major change. So change, boy, they had to change a lot about what they thought about God. So if you're thinking, oh, you shouldn't change what you believe about God. Okay, either you have perfect knowledge of God, which you don't, or you're just not very aware of how important it is for us to keep changing to a more Jesus-centric view of who God is. All right, let me get really personal. Me personally, as a pastor, my beliefs about who God is has changed through the years. It just has. I look back to some of the things I used to believe about God, and I, and I sh just sh shudder that I used to think that. I used to think that and believe that. Yeah, I used to think that God was pretty much angry all the time to non-believers, and he was just looking, waiting for them to die so we could send them to hell. And in fact, he just kind of had his finger on his big button up, up in heaven, and he was just waiting to strike them down. One more misstep, buddy. 
I am so mad at you. Right? I, I used to think that God was just ready to cast people into hell. Yeah, blah, 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 blah. I used to think that. I could not have been more wrong. I have changed my mind. I no longer believe that. You know why? Because I paid attention to who Jesus is. And Jesus is not that. So that helped me understand who God is. I used, to think, I used to think that God was very hard to please. I used to believe that and for, in, in my Christian life, that God was like, I want you to please me, which is a great thing. Please God, honor God, obey God. But God was a God of technicalities, and because God knows everything and sees everything, he gets you on the technicality. That God is just like, oh, so close. I know you really tried hard, and I know. Boy, good try, but there was this tiny little sin over here that you forgot about. Remember that thing you did seven weeks and two days and four hours ago? That, that thought you forgot you had, I haven't forgotten it. I wrote it down. And until you, right, you got to remember everything. That God is a God and get you on the technicality. And, the, and the God lives in constant disappointment with me because I can't get my freaking act together. Maybe you have those same kind of thoughts. You know what? I no longer believe that. You know why? Because Jesus is not like that. It's not the Jesus of the New Testament. It's not the Jesus that we see in the Bible. And, and we, our beliefs of God should always change to a more Jesus-centric view of who God is because that's who God is. It's about Jesus. And then the other things, too. I mean, my understanding of what hell is about, what heaven is about, what the kingdom of God is about. We just did a whole series on that. So much of what we talked about... It's stuff that, I mean, I didn't understand a lot of that 15, 20 years ago. That I'm growing. I'm in process. What, what the church is about. I'm growing. I'm in process. And I will be in process until my body stops the process of cell replication. And they bury me. And then another pastor will come and lead this church also in process. We're all in process process. But here's the one thing that gets clear and clear and clear. As my understandings of who God is continue to grow and change to a more Jesus-centric focus, do you know the one thing that gets clear and clear and clear? Who Jesus is and what Jesus has done for us. It's all about Jesus. The kingdom of God is about Jesus. Church is about Jesus. This whole thing is about Jesus. The Bible, everything in the Bible either points ahead to Jesus or back to Jesus. It's all about Jesus. And so may our views of God always look more and more and more like Jesus. And we hope to create an environment here at this church that helps you become more who God created you to be. And that's ultimately more like Jesus. And if your views of God, if you need to shed some old views of God that are not Jesus-centric, in order, and maybe that's what your grandma always said, and bless her heart. And maybe that's what you always thought, and bless their hearts. Bless all our hearts and what we used to think and believe about God. God is too big for your brain, too big for my brain to fully contain, so we're always going to be learning. We're always going to be growing, but may our focus stay on Jesus because it's all about him. Now, in the last few minutes we have together, let's take this and paste and copy in two more areas. Real quick, we're not going to spend as much time on these, but it still works. As we begin to adjust what we believe about ourselves, we want to create an environment here at this church 
where we can help you become who God created you to be, more like Jesus, even if and when you have to make changes and adjustments about what you've always believed about yourself. Yeah. This is so vitally important that we have a more Jesus-centric focus of our own lives because that's the whole point. You know, this whole thing, we live in this world of um, self-exploration, and that's kind of encouraged, you know, just, you just kind of experiment and explore, experiment and explore who you become. Here, here's the truth. If you're not a follower of Jesus, um, and, and, and you're not a Christian, which, by the way, we're glad you're here, glad you're tuned in. I mean, what a gutsy thing, how uncomfortable it, it must be. And, and we honor that, that you would spend time with us and just consider. Or maybe you lost a bet. But either way, we're glad you're here. Um, if, if you're not a follower of Jesus, you, you're, you're not obligated to do anything that I'm, I'm getting ready to say. You're free to live however you want to live, at least make it legal. Don't break a law. But if you're a follower of Jesus, listen. If you call yourself a Christian, a follower of Jesus, then who you are to become and who I am to become and who we are to become is not up for self-exploration. That's already been predetermined. Who you and I are to become, and we kind of obligated ourselves by saying, I am a follower of Jesus. We are to become more like him, case closed. It's been predecided. And the journey of the Christian life is us working with God in him helping us become more and more and more. And that's what we want to do as a church, help people become more and more and more who God created them to be, more like Jesus. Paul writes this way in the New Testament to the Colossians. He said, now just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, just as you have gone public with the fact that I'm a Christian, I'm a follower of Jesus, then you must continue to follow him. Not me, but him. And let your roots, I love that, let your roots grow down into what? Not public opinion, not what culture thinks about God, but who Jesus is in him. And let your lives be built on him, on Jesus. Do you see what this is about? Jesus, 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 Jesus. I welcome when people say, man, that's just all that guy talks about. It's more like Jesus, more like Jesus, more like Jesus. And there's another point. No, there's not. Not really. And so we want to create an environment here at this church that helps you become more like God created you to be, more like Jesus. And that means you may have to change. You may have to change what you think about yourself and what your purpose of life is and, and, and what your focus is. Yeah. Because it's already predetermined. If you're a follower of Jesus, it's to become more like him. And, and, and one more, others. You're going to have to be willing to make some changes in what you believe about other people to become more like Jesus. This is huge. We could do a whole series on this. I mean, get to the point where you begin to see people the way Jesus sees people and then treating people the way Jesus treats people. And those go hand in hand. Here's the deal. When you begin to see people the way Jesus sees people, you will automatically begin treating them the way Jesus treats them. Yeah. When you see your spouse, your children, your family, your pesky neighbor, those annoying people you work with, fill in the blank, people who are hard to love and hard to like, when you see the world around you, people who disagree, people you don't understand, 
all this, the people who have hurt you, even your enemies, when you see people the way Jesus sees people, it'll help you treat people the way Jesus treats them. That's the, we want to help create an environment here at the summit. No apologies here to help you become who God created you to be, more like Jesus. Even when that means you have to change what you've always believed about him, about her, about them, about those people, about the people who live like that, about the people who have made that decision in their life, people who have chosen this way of living and that way of living or that way of voting or that way of thinking. Are you just filling the blank? Yeah. You see, we're all in process here, and the scriptures are very clear that the work of the Holy Spirit within us is to help us get to a place where we're treating people the way Jesus treated them. And, and here it is. It's called the fruit of the Spirit. This, this, is, this is no hold barred. This is the bottom line. This is what God's up to in your life. He wants to produce love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. I think we'll do a whole series on these one day. One by one by one. This is what God's producing. This is what he's up to. He's, it's no secret. This is the essence of who Jesus is. This is Jesus' characteristics right here. He embodied these things. And that's what God wants to produce in us. And when he does, it's going to cause you to need to make some changes to become more of these things in regards to other people. And we want to help you. As a church, we want to help you become who God created you to be. Simply more like Jesus. Even if it means you have to change and when, because it will mean you have to change the way you always viewed God, always thought, but now you need to, you need to get your eyes on who Jesus is and adjust your view of God to a more Jesus-centric view of who God is because that's who God is. And the same thing when it comes to yourself or other people. Now, for those of you who are like, well, I just don't like to change. I, I get it. Change can be challenging. Change can be hard. But to say you won't change is a statement of pride. To be open. And may we always stay open. And it's messy and it takes time. I get it. But may we all be open and continue to grow and change to a clearer, truer understanding of who God is, of who we are, and who other people are to become more like Christ. So it brings us to a very logical question. So how do you need to become? How do you need to grow? How do you need to stretch and develop and change in your understanding of who God is, who you are, who other people are, to become more like Jesus? That's what we're here to do. That's what we're about as a church. Maybe for you, you're at a point where you need to publicly proclaim that you are trusting in Jesus and you want to follow him. Great, we want to help you do that. Maybe, maybe you've been following Jesus for many years and there's a certain thing in your life and a certain area of your life you know that you need to say yes to God in. Right? You just know. You know. That this, you, you, you've got to give God a yes. And you've been holed out and you're like, no, nah, I don't want to change. That's going to hurt. That's going to take some time. You need to say yes to God in this thing, whatever it is. When it comes to yourself, is there an issue in your life that needs 
Need some, you would address, there's some changes there, an issue, and you don't, you've been avoiding dealing with this issue. I don't know, maybe it's a money issue, uh, an addiction issue, a relationship, a marriage issue, maybe an inappropriate relationship issue. Maybe it, it, it's, I don't, know, I don't know, you know. You know what your issues are. Yeah, you'd be willing to deal with that. Whatever that issue is, what would it look like for you to become more like Jesus in that? Become more like Jesus in that. That means maybe you have to walk away from that to begin with. But see, to become more like Jesus is the whole thing. And with other people, to see people the way Jesus sees them and treats them the way Jesus treats them, you may need to go have, you need, you may need to go have a conversation with someone and ask them to forgive you. Or maybe you need to have a conversation with someone and say, I want you to know that I forgive you. You asked me a long time ago, and I've been holding out on you. I've been holding a grudge. I've been bitter, and I want to release this. I want to be more honoring to Christ in our relationship. I, I don't know what, but we're here as a church to help you become who God created you to be. And let's make no mistake, he created you to be more like Jesus. That means I may have to change what I believe to have a more Jesus-centric view of who God is, a more Jesus-centric view of who I am, and a more Jesus-centric view of who all y'all are. But so be it. Let me be clear one more time. I am not who I used to be. And it's bigger than cell replication. I'm not the man that I used to be. I'm not the husband I used to be. My wife's very thankful for that. I'm not the dad I used to be. I'm not the pastor that I used to be. I've changed. And I'm not done changing. You know why? Because when I look in the mirror, I don't see enough of Jesus yet. Still. So there's more changing. There's more growing. There's more learning. There's more stretching to become all who God created me to be, more like Jesus, who's with me. Who's with me? Why, why don't we just decide to become together? Let's pray. Father, thank you. I, I need this. I needed this. I need this reminder. Forgive me. Forgive us for being change-averse, for resisting the changes you want to bring about in our lives. And may we have a more Jesus-centric view of you and of ourselves and of other people. Give us the courage to make the changes where we need to make them. And may we have a clearer and clearer understanding of who you are and who we are and others are through the lens of Jesus. And as we look in the mirror, may we cooperate with the process of you forming Christ in us. May we become more and more like you and may this church create environments that make that as easy as possible. In Jesus' name, amen.